0: Greetings, fellow listeners, and welcome to InFarm Discussion. I'm Allison, and this is Utoy. All right, great. So, what are we going to talk about today, Utoy?
1: So, today's episode is going to be covering clinical trials the who, what, when, where, and why. The topics we'll be covering today are the development process and the importance of society, which will entail the safety and efficacy, the removal of physician bias, newfound treatments. And the answer to this question, what's the biggest obstacle for clinical trials? Is it money, time, or expertise?
0: Oh, wow. So we got a lot to unpack today, huh? Well, let's first start off with clinical trials and the developmental process. So basically, we're going to talk about how does pharmacy get one drug from a molecule all the way to the market. And first up is preclinical studies. That has It doesn't need FDA approval, which you might think it does, but it doesn't. And it's tested on animals, not humans yet. And we're just making sure that the organization that is trying to make a new drug is practicing good laboratory practices. So making sure that everything's clean, making sure that everything's orderly and they know what they're doing more or less. So. So,
1: so essentially, the research groups are just trying to get their tools and proper technique down pat.
0: Right. They just try and get everything in order. So if they were to get approved by FDA, they can move on to the next phase which is phase one, safety. So in phase one, we're focusing on human subjects for the first time. However, it's less than a hundred. So we're not really looking at a big population and we're looking at healthy people. We wanna make sure that the drug is safe. So before we can use it in what we want to use it in, we need to make sure that it can be used in people that who don't even have it and make sure it doesn't cause any toxicities or anything of the nature.
1: So what other- so, what are the measures, measures of safety? Uh, do they look at when inside this when, when inside this phase?
0: That's a great question. So, with safety, you're looking at toxicity. You're looking at how is it absorbed in the body? Where is it absorbed in the body? Metabolism, I, also known as just how is it breaking down and elimination. So, are we going? How are we going to get it out of our bodies? Is it going to evaporate out? Is it going to? Are we going to urinate it out? Like? We gotta get the drug out of our body somehow. So that's how we focus on safety. And then after we knock down safety, we're gonna go into efficacy. And efficacy, that's just making sure that it actually works on the people that we want to focus on. So if it deals with blood pressure, we wanna make sure, does it really do with blood pressure? Does it, Does it? or does it do something with cholesterol? Like we just wanna make sure it actually does what we want it to do.
1: So with that being said, Efficacy is kind of measuring, I guess, how efficient and how um and how proficient this medication is.
0: Right. Just making sure that it's very proficient and whatever we put on paper is what it's going to do in the body and nothing more or nothing less. Gotcha. All right. And then next, we're going to go into expanding. So now we're taking those couple of hundred people that had the uh, disease and now we're going to bring it out to thousands of people so we can get like an actual summary of what it's going to be like in the real world more or less and this is combining both safety and efficacy and needed to have FDA approval.
1: So what what does FDA approval mean?
0: FDA approval means we're making sure that it's under the governmental rights that it is what it is. It's safe for the people of the country, the people that it's affecting and that we shouldn't have any health concerns coming out of it if it does not pertain to what it says it's going to do, more or less, all right? So we just wanna make sure that y'all got the developmental of the process down. And you can kind of relate this to how COVID breaks it down. And if you wanna know more about the COVID since we're in that timeframe, you can check out the New York Times COVID page. They do a great job of breaking this down and talking about some specific talking about fast track products. And that goes into the COVID vaccine. So we just gave you a little summary of how clinical trials go. And now we're gonna get into the next topic of why it's important to talk about importance to society with clinical trials. You told bring us in.
1: Right, all right, all right. So let's talk about the importance of safety and efficacy to society. So why is this desired? So to simply unpack safety, this is um, gonna be mainly focusing on the type and likelihood of adverse effects. What adverse effects just another term for side effects. So we're going to measure like how how um intense these side effects can be, and if it's really worth it, if it's um it, if it's really worth it as a drug. So essentially, mm-hmm. for example, are we going to bring a drug to market that's going to make you lose three limbs just to solve a common cold? No. So we're so we're going to look at the risk the risk and uh, the risk and reward ratio, and see where this drug falls in line with that. Um, So safety has been a part of the law when it comes down to medication and food, and since 1938 in the Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act, and that's essentially what all safety encompasses when it comes down to um, bringing a drug to market. Now, when it comes to efficacy, efficacy, like um, my friend Allison said, is the ability to produce a desired result. Does it work? Does it do what we say it will do? And this is going to see if it's going to cure the common cold at all, regardless if it's going to remove all the limbs. Is it going <laughs> to do its job? And this has been in fact since 1962, according to the Kiefer Harris Amendment.
0: Oh, wow. So you're saying that to make a drug safety and efficacious, it ha- it's in law that it has to be safety and um, has efficacy, good efficacy?
1: Of course, we got to keep the people safe. <laughs> we got to make sure it works and we got to make sure it's safe. If not, then how can we really serve the people and effectively?
0: Very true, very true.
1: Following to that, we as pharmacists and clinicians, we take out physician bias. You may ask, what is physician bias? So what physician bias essentially is off-label prescribing. A lot of physicians in practice tend to deem different medications appropriate that aren't directly FDA approval, that that aren't under... Direct FDA approval for a certain type of uh, disease state or cause. So, for example, all contraceptives are used for use as oral contraceptives. They're used to um, to um, to to hinder pregnancy. Whereas some doctors may prescribe oral contraceptives as a means to uh, satiate acne. So, that's an example of off-labeling off-label uh, prescribing. Whereas these physicians have the prescribing ability to do this because if a medication is given evidence to show, if a medication is given evidence to show that it's able to uh, perform an action that isn't directly FDA approved, they have the ability to prescribe it. Um, so clinical trials provide guidance and structures which allows pharmacy and the healthcare industry to be very relevant and ever-changing.
0: Wow. So you mean without clinical trials, doctors could be just giving out any type of medication they feel fit?
1: I mean, essentially, yeah, Cause, but it kind of also gives them guidance because when the clinical trial goes through, for example, uh, Viagra, that medication was primarily used for as a, as a blood pressure medication, as a, as a heart medication. But as they went through the research and went through the trials, they saw that it had a different use in the form of um, uh, creating erections inside men. So yeah, Viagra can still be used in some form as a blood pressure medication, but it's primary FDA approval is for erectile dysfunction. Oh, wow. That's
0: awesome. Well, being that. It's going to bring us into newfound treatment possibly if, if it takes up um, bias from the physician this could bring new newfound treatment and with that being said it's like saying that we can improve therapeutic regimens for better outcomes and convenient use so if say like there's many medications for diabetes for instance there's pills there's insulin um, you can have the tracker on um, um, blood glucose to make sure that you're not hypoglycemic or hyperglycemic. And with those type of clinical trials, you can find out different ways to handle and control diabetes. And one that would be something called a sugar beat, which I found very fascinating. is basically being able to check your Medicaid on blood glucose without having to prick yourself three to four times a day. You just put it on your skin, your arm. And you just take the scanner and it shows you instantly. You don't even have to keep pricking yourself. And that's what clinical trials do. Clinical trials, make makes it a lot easier and more convenient to find new ways to treat the same chronic disease. And so clinical trials also lead out to discoveries for rare diseases, COVID. And it's just basically a never-ending, ongoing process of science, more or less.
1: So you mean never-ending when you mean ongoing so what, is, so, so, so what essentially does that mean? Does it mean that we're never going to have enough medications?
0: <laughs> I don't know about that because I feel like that that's a really good question, honestly. I think there we will have enough medications. I think it's basically just taking whatever we make and building upon that so we can come up with just that one regimen. I feel like sometimes the goal is to just have that one sweet spot where you figure out and control and you defeat or you eradicate wherever the problem the patient's having instead of having multiple different types. And so I think clinical trials kind of adds into that never ending because you're constantly trying to find the better option. And it's ongoing because you never know what's going to happen at the end of the day. There's mutations and viruses. There's newfound disease states coming up. You never know but that's why we had clinical trials, to try to lessen that load and try to make life easier for the next patient. Gotcha. Great. And so that brings us into, what's the biggest obstacle for clinical trials? And it's kind of concerning. Um, there's a lot of different ways you can look at it. Um, I feel like you can look at it from the research perspective. Is there a lack of researchers? It takes plenty of years of education and experience to get in these type of professions to make something that one day, one day is a molecule that you can't even see with the naked eye, to being a whole tablet for a whole a child with a red disease. Like it takes years to do that. They don't just bring anybody out the street with that. And so it's a difficult information to grasp because each and every day is new information. So are there a lack of re- researchers for this? What about location? What do you think about location? Do you think location could be something bad for clinical trials?
1: I mean, I think when it comes on locations, it kind of it is a controversial topic. I wouldn't say obstacle. I would say more of a controver- I would say more it's more of a controversy because we have trials that take place inside the United States, but it also stems beyond internationally, regionally, locally, and. Mm-hmm. Along with the confidentiality, it kind of, kind of creates like a air of not mystery, but more <laughs> of an air of um, distrust between providers, patients, and these researchers. So, yeah. I would say it is an obstacle, but in the form that it isn't, it isn't as transparent as we as we may seem because with these different locations, it may prove to have different results for the medication. Right.
0: Yeah. I agree, because there are sometimes when we look up journal clubs for our um, classes, we sometimes see article um, clinical trials that are done in other countries and sometimes it kind of, you kind of want to think, does it, does it reflect my community, more or less, when it's not another country, I'm pretty sure people think vice versa, but there's researchers all around the world, just not in the United States, so I think it could be a a, a controversy sometimes, um, depending on what type of disease state is. Is it just in that certain area and that's why those scientists are on it or are they representing the entire world? And I think we can kind of go into time with that one. Um, Do you know how long it takes for a drug to make it to market?
1: Boy, it can start from anywhere on the low end, 10 years to as long as 20 years.
0: Right, like there's a whole that's a whole like adolescence, like that's somebody's life starting. That's
1: a double the, decade, man.
0: Exactly. That a child has gone there, a uh, sweet 16, they probably do got being able to vote, be able to consume alcohol in the United States. Like, that's that's a long time for a drug to come from a molecule to somebody's daily routine and so that may screw a lot of um people from even trying to create new things because it takes so long and so much can happen within those 10 to 20 years or so because of those phases those phases i talked about earlier something you may not be proving safety something might go wrong with the efficacy and all that work down the toilet so some people just don't want to take that risk honestly Right. What, what's another thing you think could be an obstacle?
1: Boy, that money because, like you said, they don't that um that big financial load because what's the average for like a CNS drug seven hundred sixty five million.
0: Oh my gosh!
1: Then for for cancer and uh, immune modulating, that's an average of like two point seven billion.
0: But one drug.
1: Billion. yeah and that's and that's just that's just the risk they got to take and then you may you may go down the, you may go down a rabbit hole and then your drug goes kaput and now if your company doesn't have the money to back it up that has possibilities and risk of bankruptcy
0: oh my gosh yeah that's very true that people people forget about that part sometimes because they're so chopped up on finding the way the drug is that they forget that they probably gonna be spending millions and possibly now billions of look like dollars on a drug and and you just hope that people will pay for it or buy it. and that's probably some of the reason why drugs are like in the thousands for one dose, especially for the drugs for the disease states that probably need the drug that's why they they're so expensive to make cause nobody's making them yeah but that that's mind blowing right there that they're so expensive and when you said cancer was in the billions of dollars for one drug just think of how many people are affected by cancer and who's going to be able to pay that couple billion dollars back to those companies that spent that much money and right. the company can't even use the drug and they're out like you said bankrupt <laughs> so that's jobs right there wow money,
1: livelihoods
0: Ooh ooh, this is a gambling career, Seem like, but I don't think, I honestly, I don't even think we touched on the biggest obstacle in my opinion. Which is what? Human participation.
1: Yeah, yeah That's important. People are important. Yeah, I forgot about that. That's, that's important.
0: Like, yeah, like you can't, you can have all the researchers in the world. You can have all the locations. You can have the time. Shoot, you might even have the money, but if you don't have the people to like back all that up, what you doing it
1: for? Speaking about time, I think we're starting to run out a little bit of time. Maybe we can oh. pick this up inside our next showing in the part two. Uh-oh.
0: We got to do a part two?
1: So got to do oh, a part two. Oh, man. So, oh, man. Well. <laughs> so, let's, so let's wrap this up, and let's hope that our viewers come back for clinical trials. Who, what, when, where, and why? Part two. All
0: right. Man, well, I'm going to be there. So thanks for checking in, and we'll see y'all next week. Awesome. Bye, everybody. All right, bye. Bye.